Welcome to Talking in Vain, a podcast of the Infusion Nurses Society. I'm Dawn Barrent, the Clinical Education and Publications Manager for INS. My guest today is Daniel Jenkins Dandridge. I met Danielle last week at the INS National Academy of Infusion Therapy in San Diego. And it was at one of the end of one of our sessions, and Danielle uh, went up to the microphone during the question and answer phase, and she had some really great things to say about hiring great nurses. Danielle, welcome, and thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, Don. Thank you for welcoming to the show and the opportunity to speak more on about hiring great nurses. So first off, I would like you to tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. All right. Well, uh, I've been a registered nurse for about 19 years. I've been in admin- nursing administration for about 18 of those years, uh, off and on. So I have experience as an oncology nurse, med surge nurse. Um, home health and wound care and I got pulled back into home health just because I like the power of making a change for nurses I like the power of serving patients at best Um, and that's just kind of been where my strong points have been so right now I'm currently employed at Paragon Healthcare as an inside operations manager and we hire um, nurses and nurse practitioners for in-office infusion suites for physician-owned practices very, very unique niche um, in corporate nursing that I've never done before, but I find that it gives some of the same opportunities that I've had in home health, same opportunities that I've had working in the hospital, in that you have to be able to pull policies and procedures together and pull people together in such a unique way to get the greater outcome, which is um, having great clinical outcomes for your patient and increasing the revenues for the company that you're representing. Well, we are so happy to have you here today. I'm going to start out by asking you, and I know hiring nurses is such an important job. So let's start with that as our foundation. I'm going to ask you, what does your perfect nurse look like? How would you describe that person in three words? Your perfect nurse is someone who is compassionate, someone who is um, hungry, knowledgeable um, for growth. Growth, growth, okay. So in some of your um, writing that we've shared back and forth where you were sharing ideas with me, you also talked about dedication and protector. And I thought... Dedication, definitely. Compassion, definitely. Protector. That makes me want to ask you some more. So tell us about why, why you like that word when thinking about a nurse. The reason why I think about the protector, so in my industry, I have to have nurses who work independently. No one's going to be monitoring you. Nobody's going to be checking you. So I have to know that you're going to be a protector of not only the patient, but of the company as well. So your actions are going to be double-sided. You're going to make sure that you're doing right by the patient, and you're going to make sure that you're doing right by the company. So that is a very specific, concise answer. Love it. Well, let's talk about our job descriptions next then. Um, We know that job (laughs) descriptions are expected, and they are important. And Mm -hmm. when was the last time your job description was updated? (laughs) This is the funniest area because many people, if you think right now, Don, what is my job description? Let me go back and read it, especially if you've been hired with the company, let's say five years or more, and your job may have changed greatly. You may have had it added responsibilities, had another division added to you, many different things. Nobody ever goes back and assess the job description. And in smaller corporations, I've had it where I go and say, what is Susie's job description? And I go to HR and I go, oh, we don't have a job description on Susie. Uh, Oh, after Susie switched positions, we didn't get another job description of the new position. And so when I'm dealing with employees, let's say employees who are not performing at the top level, and I'm working with them, one of the things that I do is I pull their job description. And... Many times the job description is not updated. They have no idea what they're doing. 
Um, they're doing what they know to do, but nothing else. So a job description to me is like having a map to go to Washington if you've never been there before, right? You have a general idea of which way you're going, but that's about it. This map is going to tell you what to expect along the way, when you're doing right, where are you at, um, how you're going, and it's going to guide you. Sometimes a job description can also be like shackles. So if it's not on the job description, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be covered. Um, I'm only doing just this. So sometimes for some employees, a job description can also shackle them and mm. limit them. And we have employees that want to do way more, but they feel so restricted. So when I'm doing um, annual uh, reviews with my employees, I like to sit with them and go over their job description and say, okay, do you feel that what you're doing now, do you feel that you're within your job description or are you outside of your job description? And that's always an aha moment. Some people never read the job description. They just signed it. It all happened the first day. They were so happy to get a job. They never read that mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. And then nobody holds them accountable. You, you showed up at work on time? Yay, check. Um, you got the report done? Yay, check. But sometimes we don't even take time to have the conversation with our employees to really dig in what's your background. What else can you do? Do you feel that we could do anything differently? You know, and then you'll find, so I find many times I can add additional services um, onto that nurse's duties and update their job description, and it brings more value, makes a person feel so much more valuable. Sometimes it's just adding another title to their current um, description. So you're not only just a registered nurse, but you're my lead registered nurse for this clinic. What is a lead nurse? And then I add all of these different duties on there. Now, of course, you have the other duties as a sign. That is corporate <laughs> gateway, right? Yes. They, I call it the scapegoat. Oh, we, we number 19, other duties as a sign. Stop that. Yes, it's great we have that, right? Because there are going to be things we're going to assign to people that we want to make sure that we are covered. But we also want to make sure that we give people a map. We want to help the people to get there and not waste a bunch of time because they don't know what they're allowed and what they're really not allowed. So I challenge everyone that's listening to this podcast, go back, read your job description. I guaranteed you it's nowhere near where you really are. It doesn't really identify what you're really doing. Or worse, your HR don't even have your job description listed. It's Mm -hmm. lost. They never did get it. It didn't get filed. A whole bunch of things. I would love to see the comments um, on where your job description is today and does it meet what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. So really, a job description, a very succinct job description, benefits both the employer and the employee. And it's really important to keep it current and to update it at least annually for the benefit mm-hmm. of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Danielle, uh, you talk a little bit about thinking inside the box when hiring, and I think that's just the best phrase ever. Tell us what you mean by inside the box thinking. Well, Don, how many of you have heard, we have to think outside of the box. We need to think outside of the box. So as we're hiring, we got to think outside of the box. What are we not doing that others are doing? What are our competitors doing to hire? So we're constantly thinking outside of how are we going to advertise and how are we going to get these nurses in into our facilities? Really, if you think inside the box, look around you. Who are the people that are going back to school right now for a nurse? Who are the people that's getting ready to graduate as a nurse? Who are the people that are inspiring to become nurses? Who are the nurses that are stuck on a unit that they wish they had another opportunity to get somewhere? But sometimes as managers, we don't even collaborate with one another. We're supposed to be supporting one another within an organization and collaborating to bring the best out of our people for the greater good of the company. So sometimes you may have someone on your team that's just looking for a challenge. And where where that person is now, it's kind of boring. So I'm a person of variety. I've taken a lot of behavioral assessment tests. And it talks about what type of things that I like, whether I take this test today or 10 years from now, the test results are going to be the same. And then my test results, it shows that I'm a person that likes variety. So if you put me on a unit where I'm going to do the exact same thing day in and day out, and there's going to be no challenges there or no challenging patients, I am bored out of my mind. You're going to get bare minimum out of me. If you put me in a place where I'm going to be challenged, move me to an administrative role where there's always something different that is happening or a new law that is changing, 
then you're going to get the best out of me. I'm going to be there to make sure our company doesn't get hit with uh, different fees or uh, different um, where we crossed the line on certain regulations because mm-hmm. we weren't aware that the rules changed at 1201. If you deal with Medicare, you know where mm-hmm. I'm coming from. So we have to look inside of the box and see who do we currently have. And nurses know other nurses. And we will champion other nurses to come to our facilities if we feel that it's a great place to be. So when I say look inside of the box, talk to some of your own nurses. Hey, what can we do better? Are you happy with where you are? Do we have anyone else that's getting ready to finish? A lot of times uh, when I was in nursing school many years ago, there was a program called Nurse Tech. So Nurse mm-hmm. Tech, uh, this is a very unique program that um, you, you sound like you heard of it that this particular hospital did that I worked for, and it went to the nursing school and pulled all of the senior nurses, all those students that were getting ready to become seniors, and it invited them to come to their hospital to interview for all of these different floors. Well, I had the opportunity to interview, and I got selected to be a nurse tech on an oncology floor. This was the most amazing opportunity. It allowed me as a new nurse to practice as a nurse under a registered nurse who had to sign off on everything that I did. So in nursing school, I'm accessing ports, I'm managing pick lines, I'm doing infusions, I'm doing a whole gamut. I'm documenting, of course, the nurses behind me documenting. And when I got out of nursing school, they gave me the job. Of course I have the job. I've learned the unit. I know the ins and outs. I've worked with the CNAs. I've worked with uh, as a unit secretary. So now I'm one of your strongest nurses. Had this hospital not gone after these type of programs, it would have been much harder trying to figure out where where are we going to get a great nurse. So I say get your new nurses and groom them up. Now, many of us say, oh, don't want to have new nurses in here because their thinking is not the same and the simulation process is, is not working that we have in nursing school now. You can train up a young nurse. Think about it. That nurse is a blank slate. What you imprint on that nurse is what's going to be great for you. So I say stop shying away from the new nurses and train them up longer in programs where they're precepted, where they're monitored like a nurse tech. So think inside of the box. Look into your own facilities. You just took me down memory lane. I forgot I even did that, but I did that, just exactly (laughs) what you described. I, I got hired on as a nurse tech while I was still in nursing school in probably mm-hmm. my la- my final semesters. And um, yeah, same thing happened. I got hired. Um, I kind of fell right in with everyone. And, and believe it or not, uh, the nurses that were there, some of them had been there their whole career. They That's were right. just always so thrilled to get a hold of a young new nurse, you know, someone, like you said, a blank slate. And they loved working with that. They love that energy. Um, some of them got tired of dealing with all the questions, <laughs> but um, it definitely is a great avenue. Thank you for reminding us of that. So yeah. I want to talk to you about your take on collaboration because you have a little different spin on that. And I want you to tell us about why collaboration is important within your institution and tell us about your um, three-stranded cord uh, plan. So in my three, you always hear what makes something tighter. When I owned a home health agency for more than 10 years and helped to manage many other agencies, um, many times I would work together with other agencies and not look at them as a threat, but I would collaborate with people within my system so that we can strengthen up our nurses where let's say I get a patient or I get a, a situation where I have a nurse She's only have so many visits, but my home health nurses, you understand this. And this nurse needs more work, need more going on. I will collaborate with another agency to connect that nurse so that that nurse will continue to work. Now, do you think that nurse is going to leave my facility? No, because I've just helped that nurse to have more hours and to gain more. And I looked out for the better of that nurse. Mm-hmm. And so within our own hospital systems, a lot of times, you remember we used to have the float, well, I believe they still have this, mm-hmm. so everybody forgive me because I'm not a hospital nurse anymore. But when we had float nurses, sometimes you would have some nurse managers that would almost despise when a float nurse would come to their floor. 
And I never understood that. It's like if you would really collaborate with the other floors and allow for the float nurses to come in and make them welcome to your floor, we would not be shorthanded or we would not end up with the nurses that are not as knowledgeable or don't care as much. You always hear that about the travel nurses. They get a bad rep. Before they get to the floor, nurses are already turning their nose up at those nurses. Or sometimes your pool nurses or your float nurses come into your floor. So being that three-stranded card is is knowing that it's me and it's you collaborating and that third strand is that greater good. Why are we here? Why do we show up at work every day? Right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people thinking, well, I have to take care of the patient. Where are you doing more than that? You're taking care of your household, right? You, you checked in. You're going to get a check. You're taking care of that patient. Check. That patient's going to get better. That's our goal. And then you're taking care of the institution, which is going to give you another check in another two weeks to come and another month to come and many, many, many more years to come. So we constantly look sometime at our institution as being the enemy, if that makes sense. And mm. it's not the enemy. We, we come here for a full circle of taking care of ourselves by having a place where we can go and get revenues, taking care of the patients and taking care of one another and taking care of the institution in return. Excellent. Excellent. I could not have said that better. So let's kind of change just a little bit here. We're going to change direction. I want to talk, Danielle, about one piece of advice that you give us, and that is to invest in listening and learning from your staff members and not just connecting with your favorite but or the <laughs> ones who you have something in common with. So tell us a little bit more about that. So many times when we're looking at people on our team, um, we're always focused on who makes us comfortable, right? So Dawn, mm-hmm. you would probably never set yourself up to be in a room with people that don't have the same opinions as you, don't like the same things as you, et cetera. So sometimes when we're grooming our nurses or working with our, our team, we tend to gravitate toward those that we like. I always say go toward the person that you really don't like or you don't even know why you don't like them, but you just don't tend to gravitate toward them as much and get to know them a little bit better. Um, I I like to read this book called um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And in this book, it tells you about getting to know two key things about a person. And that's not going to a person and say, hey, Kim, what's your favorite color? What do you like to do in the evening? No, 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 no. It's genuinely actively listening to Kim and finding out from Kim what's important to her. Um, You've heard this saying that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you talk to a person, the first five or ten minutes of the conversation of meeting a stranger, they'll tell you what's really going on in their lives, just mm-hmm. like that. Okay? Mm-hmm. And if you're in tune, you will pay attention and know those things. And once you know those things, it's important for you to take notes to that and so that you can get to know that person that is totally different from you, totally opposite from you, that may have some solutions for you, but nobody ever goes and acts, I'm just going to give the name Kim, because she's different or she's quiet, or she never really have any input, or she never really says anything, well, your solution is probably sitting right there. Mm-hmm. So go at the person that you would normally go for, not the person that's always have their hands up for an opinion, not the person that always seem to have a solution to fix your, your unit, but go to the person that you would not think that that would be one. Let me give you an example. So in my, my current job, we have to hire nurses to be independent in, in clinics. And in this one particular clinic, I hired a nurse who had only been a nurse less than three years. And I've had people tell me, why would you do that? Why would you hire someone with a less than three years of nursing and put them in a clinic to be independent? One, remember going back to the blank slate, person haven't had that much going on. That means I don't have many bad habits that I have to erase. Two, that person is going to be easily trainable because they don't know anything else. So I'm going to train them in the way that I want them to go. And then three, I had a physician that was just wanting someone that can grow with them. And so I just kind of sold the story. Um, I always paint the picture of not just the here and now, but I paint the picture of the future. And I use their paintbrush to do that. 
And when I mean by using their paintbrush, I ask the nurse, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in one year? How, do you, how would you like to get there? How do you think um, we can help you get there? What do you think this job will do to help build on your skills to get you where you want to go? And so I invest into the nurse. And when you invest into the nurse, you're going to find that you're going to get the greater return. Sometimes we are so afraid to train up a person because we're afraid that they're going to leave. But I will train up a person so strong and be so great to them that they will never want to leave. Mm-hmm. So we have to stop being afraid to taking care of our people because we're afraid to lose them to the competitors. You're going to lose them anyway. <laughs> yes. So treat your people better. So listening and learning <laughs> from them. Um talking to those that we wouldn't necessarily connect with. I'm going to age myself here just a little bit, but remember 45 (laughs) records where there was an A side and a B side and everybody Mm -hmm. played the A side and we could listen and sing to every single word on the A side, but we rarely ever flipped it over and found out what was on the B side and surprise, surprise, Mm -hmm. if we ever did, oftentimes we'd find this real gem that we, (laughs) that we had totally ignored um, this is the A side, yes. B side of nursing and, and really connecting with every member of the team and making sure that we um, not only foster their growth, but we learn from them as well. That was an awesome analogy. I couldn't have said that better. So you mentioned a book, um, and I'm going to leave that in the show notes of our um, podcast today. How to Win Friends and Influence People, and that's written by Dale Carnegie. So um, I'm g- I just wanted to give you a moment, um, since we're going to share um, the, the title and the author of that book, it, was there anything else that you wanted to tell us about that um, writing uh, that has helped you? So with, with that book, I've read that book many years ago, and I still go back to it as a reference. I learned to uh, actively listen to a person, but not for what I can get out of them, but to truly listen to a person. So let me give you an example. So I have someone on my team who told me um, a couple of weeks ago, oh, my anniversary is coming up on this day. And she just kind of casually said it and threw it out there. And as I continue to listen more and more, I found one of her biggest struggles is um, she works away from the corporate office. And family time is most important, but oftentimes she's traveling a lot in her role. And so I just made a little note of that. So her anniversary came up recently, and I sent her a message that said, Happy anniversary. I hope you have something great planned for this day. And the response that I got back was overwhelming. Thank you so much for remembering. Because this person didn't tell me that that's their anniversary for me to note that. They just they were just casually talking, but I took time to take a note of that. And because I took a note of that, that was a golden nugget that was planted that day within that person that mm-hmm. sees that, hey, I not only value you as someone on my team, but I value you as another human being. And I understand what's important to you. And I want to treasure what's important to you. And I want to carve out that moment to let you know that I know that that is very, very special to you. And I want you to know that I'm thinking of you during mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. Yes. Yes. I mean, like you said, the golden nugget um, and those little things um, are so significant. We wouldn't think they are. And it really costs you nothing. It costs you nothing to do that. But uh-huh. but you paid attention in a way uh, that told that person that they are important to you, that they are significant and that you're thinking about them. So I'm going to have you tell us then about other small investments that can yield great returns. So as we just talked about smaller investments, paying attention to people to understand um, what's important to them. Another great area, I recently had a conversation um, a few months back with one employee that was on a different team um, that was just kind of dissatisfied with where they were right, in their Mm -hmm. role. And so instead of focusing on a negative, I sat with the person and I said, hey, tell me a little bit about what your jobs were like before you came here. Tell me a little bit about that. And as the person told me a little bit about that, it's going, whoa, 
so you can do, you have HR experience? Oh, okay, you're a master at Excel? And I started listening to all of these great things that this person had. And then I looked at their current job role. That doesn't match. We're underutilizing you. Like, we're not maximizing your value. We're not even allowing your creative sides to come out. So we really just shackled you in this position. And some people will allow themselves to be shackled in a position because they just need a job. Mm-hmm. They just need to be able to pay the bill. Mm-hmm. And I went because of my relationships. I believe in having great relationships with all people that I work with. I believe in collaborating. Don, there's nothing you can do without another, right? So you, if you don't collaborate and work really well with your pharmacy team, your drugs are probably going to be late getting to the floor. <laughs> relationships is everything. And so I went and I spoke with her manager and I said, hey, Uh, This particular person on your team came to me uh, to have a conversation about, you know, whatever else it was. And I said, I noticed that her background was this, this, and this. Do you think that there's something else that we can do to help uh, maximize this employee? Let me me tell you what I mean. And so I gave some examples about some areas that one of my team members was struggling with, and the weight of it was becoming too heavy. And I needed to uh, take some of that burden off and distribute it. And this particular employee was complaining about the one that we were talking about not having enough work. And, you know, I'm realizing that we're underutilizing her. So when I collaborated with this manager, we were able to put together a beautiful plan for this employee. Now when I pass by this employee, six smiles on her face because we're maximizing her. We're allowing that creative side to come out. You know, mm-hmm. that's like taking an eagle and putting an eagle in a chicken coop <laughs> and then expecting that eagle to be okay, you know? You continue to do that to that eagle after a while, that eagle is going to believe that the eagle is a chicken. Not only that, but the chickens are not going to like it with that eagle in there. <laughs> it makes for real problems in the chicken coop. <laughs> okay, think about many of our floors today. We have a whole lot of that going on. We don't have a lot of nurses that step up into leadership roles. But they're eagles. They have the ability. But they're in, in, in positions where no one's asked them. Hmm. And no one's going by to fertilize that. No one's going by and say, hey, you know what? You're talented. I see something in you. Tell me a little bit about where you think you will be in the next five years. Some Mm -hmm. people never think about that. To you and I in leadership roles, we have to think about it all the time. Because our managers are going to come to us and say, okay, what's your your strategic plan for the next quarter? What's your strategic plan for the next year? So we're always forecasting, right? Mm -hmm. But go to the average floor nurse and ask them that. What's their forecast for that floor for the next six months or the next year? They're not thinking about that. Why? Because they don't have the title manager. I always say erase the titles, stop with the titles, and let's work together as a team. Because we are all here to do something greater. There are more hospitals that can achieve magnet status. There's more hospitals that can get their collapse rates down. There are way more. But we don't collaborate. We don't really care about what Dawn cares about. It may be important for Dawn to get out of work by 6.30 on Thursdays because her son have a football game that is utmost important to her. Now, if I paid attention as Dawn's manager... I would work together to make sure that Dawn got out of there each time at 630, even if it meant I got to the floor to make sure things got done in a timely fashion, just to show Dawn that. And it may not be every Thursday. Come on. That's not realistic. (laughs) But I may have looked at the school schedule to know that Dawn's Dawn's son is in this particular ISD, and that the homecoming game is coming up on that day. And she happens to be working, and she came in. She didn't pout about it. She said nothing about it. But I'm going to move mountains that day to make sure she's out on time without telling her that that's what I'm doing. Imagine the value that I just popped, Mm -hmm. the seed that I just planted within Dawn. You think Dawn's going to leave me this time next year when another person comes up with an offer? She's going to think twice. You are definitely telling us more as we go through each of these discussions about inside the box thinking. What do we do with the people that we have at hand? It's almost more about retaining and utilizing, maximizing the employees that we have. Um, And certainly we do need to hire. Uh, We need to bring new folks in all of the time. But you're you're also saying, Mm -hmm. you know, let's do the best thing we can with our current employees as well. 
So another That's piece correct. of advice that you like to talk about is putting the human back in human resources. Now you need to tell us about that. Now we've been kind of touching on that each time with each question. We're not paying attention to our people. So let me give an example. I have a manager under me that always makes me laugh. She said, you always make this statement, we manage the emotions of other people. And she said, that just cracks me up. And I said, yeah, it's really, really true. People will come to you. People on your team will come to you just making all sorts of rants and raving about something, right? Medications didn't come on time. Pharmacy didn't measure it out right. It was mislabeled, whatever the reasons are. And the biggest thing we want to do sometimes as managers is, ah, look, I got a whole lot of work to do, and that's really all you want to talk about? Like, I really don't care. That's not what we say, but sometimes that's what our mind is saying, and that's what our facial expression is saying. Sometimes you just have to listen to a person. Managing the emotions is just allowing someone to have that moment to purge, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes I will let them come in and let them say all of their rants and raves about whatever it is that they can't get it done because they have too much going on. And once they finish, my next question is, okay, so what is one of the things that you think we can do about question A? You know, what solutions do you think we can come up with? Sometimes I make a person kind of take a step back, like, whoa, did she just put this back in my hand? Or sometimes I'll say, you know what? You're going about that way, way, way too, too, too heavy. Let's do this. What's most important for today? Out of that big step that you're complaining about, that big stack of papers you're complaining about, what is most important today? Okay, so if you don't know what's most important, let's go through it. Okay, and then we just talk about patient B has the most going on. You know, go back to the ABCs. When we were in nursing school, uh, when I did nurse tech many, many, many years ago, we would organize which patients we were going to see based on acuity, right? We're going to see patient in room 201, then we're going to go to 204, then 205. Then 205 goes bad, and now 205 becomes number one. And we would do this in our head all day long, constantly readjusting. Well, on the corporate nursing side and on outpatient side and in home health side, we forget about that tool that we learned in nursing school and that we learned when we were working in the hospitals, that you have to constantly readjust and rejuggle and see what's important. And go back to the old-fashioned TDL. And on your TDL, don't get bogged down when you put 10 things on there. And at the end of the day, you've only gotten two done. It's okay. Check it off. It's going to make you feel great. Reorganize the next day and keep going. Then you have employees that want to get it all done. I don't want to hand this off to the night nurse that's coming on. I have to get it all done. Says who? Says who? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's okay to pass it on. Now, of course, we have some of those nurses that will pass on every, everything they possibly could to the <laughs> night nurse, which is the night nurse's nightmare. I'm not saying be that nurse. Come on. Don't be that person. But don't be so anal that you can't move on. So I learned a term recently in our leadership conference it's called GETMO, G-E-T-M-O, the most funniest thing I've ever learned. But I want y'all to take this away. Good enough to move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that I've got my pen out right now. <laughs> good good enough to move lesson. on. Good enough to move on. So sometimes when I'm working in my corporate nurse setting and we're stuck on a project and I have someone who's coming over and they're ranting and raving to me and I just kind of look at them and I said, get mo. And, of course, I've trained all of my team on what get mo is because you have a lot of perfectionists. And I was not a perfectionist until I became a nurse. I was very much so, to me, type B personality, so I thought. But as I became a nurse, I became type A because one little bitty mistake can kill a patient. So I became way more anal on things. I became more with watching things and making sure and then double checking. That can drive you crazy after a while. Sometimes you just have to learn Gitmo. Just, just, <laughs> just have a Gitmo moment, you know? And then once you get the Gitmo moment, you're realizing. And the, the, another analogy that he broke down, he said, if I pay you, Dawn, by, an hour, by the hour, right? And it should take you 30 minutes to do the project that I just assigned to you. But because you're so concerned about your perfectionist areas, it has now taken you two and a half hours to complete that project. 
that just cost me way more in labor time than that should have, right? Mm-hmm, yes. So I will come to you and say, uh, Dawn, get Mo, please. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see where this is going to crop up in my own vocabulary <laughs> and, and in our nursing community. Um, that is fun. All right, a couple more things we want to talk about here before we wrap up. Uh, you have a saying, another saying, if we can tolerate one more, the grass is always greener where you fertilize it and water it. <laughs> no, you aren't talking about oh, on the other side of the fence. You're saying where you fertilize it and where you water it. Uh, tell us yes, about that. So, so many people were in that particular session for INS National Academy. By the way, it was absolutely outstanding. So I'm still sad that that was my first and now my last. I would love for us to have more uh, more classes where we can really deal with some of the things that we're dealing with. Oh, we will. Everyone was complaining about awesome. Everyone was complaining about it is so hard to find nurses. And I challenge you, go to five nurses on each floor. Not Not all five on the same floor. Don't do that. Go to each different floor and ask nurses, what makes you stay here? Talk to your nurses that's been there for 20 years. What makes you stay here? And find out what are those key qualities. And then go to the nurse that just got hired there. What made you say yes to this job? What were the things that you like? And then take those answers and go back and use that. You may have nurses that say, you know, when we first got here, they used to give us free coupons to go and eat in the cafeteria on a Friday randomly if we you know, got our C rate down or if we got our admissions done within a certain amount of time or if we didn't have as much overtime or whatever those incentives was that made you happy. And we took that away. Now, sometimes these programs go away because there's no finances. Sometimes they go away because we just thought it wasn't effective because nobody evaluated whether or not that tool worked. So you have to go back and water the grass. So bring your little watering pot, you know, the little cute one with the flowers on it, carry it around to your floors, go talk to your people and find out what is it that your people are hungry for? What is it that they want to see that makes things better? So when my boss talks to me on a quarterly basis to find out what it is, I'm, I'm a driver. I'm a person that loves variety. So you have to keep challenges coming my way. So when I go to my boss, she's always saying, how can I serve you better? That's one of my favorite things that I tell my people. Take that. Go to your nurses. How can I serve you better as your manager how can I help you? How can I serve you better? That's bringing that cute little water pot and sprinkling some water on that plant that is totally dry, that's about to die. You just don't know it yet because it still looks green on the surface. But if you put your finger deep down to the root, you'll find that it's really dry. And pretty soon it's going to be dead. That's your nurse walking out of the door after many years of working for your company. Hmm. 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 Well said. Thank you. All right few more questions to go here. I really want to get out of you what we can. We're having a great conversation here. Tell <laughs> us what you mean when you say, give what you wish to receive. That sounds pretty familiar to me. So tell, tell me your take on that. Give what you wish to receive. So uh, this one, this, this is a two-edged sword kind of a question. Give what you wish to receive. So I want a great employee, Dawn. I want a great nurse to come and work for one of my clinics, right? But then I'm not the great nurse. I'm short-tempered. I show up late. I don't complete tasks on time. But yet, I want you, nurse, who I'm going to be your manager, to show up on time, complete tasks on time, to be hungry for what you're doing, to be here and to be dedicated. Seriously? Seriously. Do you mm -hmm. really think that that's what you're going to get? You're not going to get it. So as leaders, we have to first evaluate ourselves, kind of take that little mirror out, put a mirror on the edge of your computer. Look at yourself from time to time. And I don't mean look at yourself because you're cute and you have your lashes on. I mean look <laughs> at yourself and see. <laughs> Are you being the best leader that you can be? Are you being accountable? Are you not only having a great attitude, but you having a, a, are you looking into your own future? Are you looking to see where are we going? You know, what are we forecasting? Sometimes it can be like <clears throat> herding, herding cows with your head down, just walking with your head down. You have no idea. You kind of know where you're going. You ever gotten in a car to go to work and zoned out? 
but you still made it to work? How did I get here? Like, I don't even remember what I've done. Because sometimes it's such a routine and such a habit that you're not even in tune. We need that mirror on our computer sometimes just to remind us, take, take a moment, reflect, look in. What are we doing to be that example of what we want? You will attract what you give out. So we have to learn to give what we wish to receive. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is excellent. And evaluate our culture. Like I talked about before, go to, go to each floor. Evaluate your culture. Find out what the people really feel. Recently, we had a change in um, our motto. Um, our motto at Paragon Healthcare was patient is king. Uh, recently, we changed that because everything was patient is king, patient is king. Well, forget you. You got to work 14 hours today. We don't <laughs> care that you had something going on. Patient is king. Let's get this done. And we realized, wait a minute, we're killing our own culture. We need to make a shift because we often say at Paragon Healthcare that people, it's all about the people, but patient is king. That's a conflict. So we changed it recently to people, purpose, and passion. And so we're all about our people. We're all about caring about our people. What's important to you, Dawn? We want to know that. And we want to make sure that we not only know that, but we honor that. And what's our purpose? Why do we come here every day? Why do you come to your job every day? Not to just get a paycheck. You can go to any other company and get that. Bye-bye. Go get your paycheck elsewhere. Why are you here? Because I hope that you're coming to serve. I hope that nurses will put compassions back in their heart. Please do not go to nursing school just so that you can get a great paycheck. Please go to another profession. Mm -hmm. Come here because we're serving people. We have to put the human touch back in what we do. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Here's our final discussion point for this recording. Um, your final bit of advice today is to learn to cultivate intra, intrapreneurship. So we, we hear that word in a whole different way. Tell <laughs> us about intrapreneurship. And I am certain that I've not said that correctly, but um, <laughs> you're going to clear that up for us. It depends on which region you're from. <laughs> it depends on which region you're from. I'm a New Orleans, na uh, New Orleans native. So sometimes when I say words, everybody take a turn on their head like, what did she just say? <laughs> hey, it depends on tomato, tomato, right? So I would say entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship, uh, entrepreneur. So an entrepreneur, everybody knows what an entrepreneur is. I happen to be an entrepreneur nurse, right? But in this current role as a corporate nurse, I'm an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur means that within my division, I am allowed to bring my creativity to help to move my division to a greater level. <clears throat> it allows me some independence to make decisions to help to move the company's mission forward. So... A lot of companies are so afraid to activate a nurse entrepreneurship, her inner ability to be independent, to help, to think like an owner. Imagine, Dawn, if we gave nurses on the floor entrepreneurship abilities. That means giving them ownership. Hey, Nurse Sally, I'm going to give you ownership of supplies and making sure that we don't go above this amount of supplies. You know, you're going to become the police to make sure that we're not over here using 15 gauze on something that should take two. And then this person, I'm going to make sure that you're the entrepreneur to ensure that all of our pick wine dressings are changed at our hospital's policy. If it's every seven days, that you're going to make sure that that's done and that those numbers are getting down. Here are your metrics on that. And, and you don't just do that just by assigning. You have to go and work with your team members to find out what's important to them. You know, go to your team members and say, hey, Bill, what's important to you on this floor? What is it on this floor that you would like to see done better? So for what I do as a clinical practice person that runs an independent practice, hey, Nurse X, what would you like to see improved um, about your clinic flow? Like my particular nurse is complaining that medications are not arriving on time. I'm speaking with my pharmacy team. Here we go with pharmacy, right? And medications are not arriving on time. So and after everything that we talked about, What's the first thing you think I'm going to suggest that this nurse X does with pharmacy team to get her drugs there on time? She's going to work with pharmacy. 
not only is she going to work with pharmacy, you better learn how to snoozy poozy and be nice. But mama always <laughs> said you get more with sugar than you get with salt. So are you talking to pharmacy real crazy? Are you being nice to pharmacy? Are you calling pharmacy to find out what is the dilemma? So many times, and I've had this conversation in the past, hey, pharmacy, I'm getting complaints that the drugs are not arriving to this particular practice on time. Can you tell me a little bit more about what we can do better to help you to get our drugs here on time versus what do y'all keep doing wrong that you're not getting these drugs here on time? That's not going to get me anywhere. That's not good collaboration effort. I have to go and find out what is it. And sometimes we may find out, well, hey, we need more time. That person have to notify us much earlier, or we need a cutoff time. If we have it by this time, we guarantee this time. So you have to work together to find out what is it that's going to make it work for both sides versus going to point the finger. The worst thing you can do is like clap feet. That was the highest thing that we talked about at the conference. We have to get the clap feet rates down. We have to get, we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to stop. Evaluate our floors. And find out what's important, what's important to us on our floors. If that's what's important to us, then let's establish a goal. I think one of our speakers says, let's just hit one thing at a time, right? We're never going to get those rates completely to zero. So if we can get those rates from 70% down to 60%, what can we do to be just that little nudge to get something different? That would be really, really helpful. So we have to learn to to pull out what's important to that person, to allow them to pull their entrepreneurship, to take ownership, basically, of something within their job, whatever that is. Give them that, that free flow to do it. So I always say I'm not a micromanager. I'm not going to come to you every moment. I'm going to give you full ownership of that, and I'm going to expect that it's going to be done by this date. And however you feel that you need to do you know, you need to do something extra or work with another company, I'm going to give you that full ability to do that mm -hmm. so that I can cultivate that entrepreneurship with inside of you to come out. And I can't tell you how I get great reviews from people that I've trained over the years because they were able to own it and put their own stamp on it. I'm not going to tell you how to label a document. I'm not going to tell you how to create something. Tell me what would you like? You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. all, the leader doesn't always have to be the one to make all of the decisions. A leader is the one that's going to cultivate the best within you, not to go and do it. That's our role. I think we're missing that as nurse managers and as hiring managers. We are here to bring out the best in the people that we are trying to hire. Oftentimes when I'm interviewing, I, my other managers under me always get a good crack. When we do a double interview or we're phone interviewing, because I'm going to ask the most off-the-wall question, throws everybody off. But one of my other questions is, why do you want to work here? Why would you really want to come and work here? I mean, really, of all the places you can go, why here? <laughs> and it always throws people off because it's like, oh, shoot. Whoa, why does, she, why does she ask that? Does she not like it here? <laughs> what, what made her want that? Wait, wait, does she know that I just want a paycheck? Yeah, what, what is it? So it really makes a person, it's almost like turning that mirror around to that person. It really challenges them. And then I tell them, hey, 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 I want you to relax. I know that question was a little bit off the wall, but this is just it. So we're interviewing you, right? Because we want the absolute best candidate to come here for, for us. But we also need this to be the absolute best role for you. So you also have to evaluate why do you want to come here? So this has to be a mutual agreement, a mutual relationship. It's kind of like a marriage. If you're getting in a marriage or well, what you can get out of it, where are we going to end up in a couple of years? Divorce, right? That's that nurse walking out the door. So if we would engage our people better and give them ownership. Hey, wife or hey, husband, this is your role. This is my role. Take ownership in that. Together, we're going to win. We don't do that enough. We shackle people. And then we wonder why after so many years, they're out the door. They're walking away from us. So look into our own units, look into our own outpatient practice, look in our own home health nurses and find out what we can give to our nurses to have them to take better accountability for their, what they're doing to help for the greater good of the company. And then measure that out and then celebrate it. For God's sake, celebrate. Mm. Don't just pass over it. Yeah. So I can tell we just hit a, hit a, um, a, a touchy button for you. The word entrepreneurship 
could almost be a one hour session if if we get going. <laughs> this is good stuff. Good stuff. So I wanted to go back. Um, I want to just reel it back and think. I was thinking about something that you had said just earlier about meeting us at at our last uh, national uh, conference for. Um, we call it NAIT at the office, but it's National Academy of Infusion Therapy. And um, you were lamenting just a little bit that you won't ever have that opportunity again. But there are so many more opportunities. We have our national conference that um, always takes place in May. And next year it's going to be in Las Vegas, and it is going to be a great conference. So you have that to look forward to. And then as we are retiring or sunsetting NAIT, uh, that fall conference that we've had for so long, um, it it isn't um, just going away all by itself. Uh, we have something in the okay. wings that's coming to replace it that's going to be really kind of fun and exciting and just a, a change-up of that. So look forward to that. Stay Yay! on our website. Uh, we'll be making those announcements um, in the near future. So you'll have that to look forward to as well. And we certainly will see you at a conference again for, with INS. So, Danielle... And we are really getting to the point where we need to close our time today. But I want to give you one last moment. If you, I just love it. I love asking this question of people. Um, If there was one more thing that you could tell us today that was meaningful for you before we hang up, um, what would that be? As you go about hiring, look at the other person as a human being, not another person to fill a role on your floors or within your clinic. Not another, I'm meeting the quota of getting this hired. Not a mundane uh, moment of, I just have to get this done. But value the human interaction. Value the person that is in front of you. Don't be so busy doing other things or thinking about the next thing when that person is in front of you. Sometimes we don't focus on that and we don't take that, that value and we don't value that moment and we lose we lose people. We lose the souls of our people. They're just the walking dead when we mm-hmm. don't take time to value the person. So no more walking dead facilities. Let's wake up and let's, let's acknowledge the human side. I, I just can't tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you, Danielle, for thank being you. our guest today on Talking in Vain. And as always, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this edition of Talking in Vain a podcast of the Infusion Nursing Society.